Welcome to Mo Man Talk. I'm your host, Shiso Moore, and we also have my co-host joining us too. That's Mai Tao on episode 31. We have a guest that's picked up a camera since he was second or third grade. He's a teacher here in the St. Paul, Minneapolis area for 10 years. He's been making movies for 15 years, but it wasn't all free, easy sell. He had a lot of hardship and struggle, and being disapproved from his parents, he wanted to make six movies, five days, once upon a time, through in my fallen cities, Zouchua. And lastly, you all may know know or heard of 1985. This gentleman is Kang Vang. And if you haven't yet give us a rating or you're a first time listener, please subscribe. And lastly, let's take our sponsors. Today's sponsor is brought to you by She Sells Menwear. Are you looking for the latest trendy men's fashion? Look no further. She Sells Menswear carries handcrafted bow ties, ties, suit accessories, and everyday streetwear. They're your one-stop, mall-inspired men's shop. You can search them online at www.xixomenswear.com. Now let's get back to the show. Hey, we are all excited to be on here today. It's a beautiful, beautiful uh, Sunday in Minnesota. And we also have a co-host with me today, Mai. And guess who we have today? This guy is a director, a film director. You've probably seen him. Well, that's not pun intended. He's the guy behind the scene. But his name is Kang Vang. <laughs> hey, Kang, how's it yeah. going, man? Good, good. Thanks for having me on your show. Really appreciate it. Yeah, Kang, I think you're, you're definitely not new to the community. I think everybody knows you, even though you're working behind the scene. I think everyone knows the name Kang, you know, because it ties into, like, the most, one of the greatest movies, I think, in a long time that we've seen. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I... I'm I'm behind the scenes, so you know I don't really get to uh, hear my name very often or see my face very often. So um, yeah, so thanks for the recognition. <laughs> <laughs> you are welcome. I know I I have to say that um, I I've I've heard of when your movie 1985 came out. Um, mm-hmm. It was actually spoke about for a long time, and I never got the chance to see it until. I think there was, um, oh, there was a showing over at, um, I think it was Father Hennepin Park in Minneapolis. Oh, yeah. 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 So I, I attended that and I saw it and I fell in love with the movie. And oh, wow. I, I had to go out there and purchase one. So I actually own a copy of it. So, oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. So great job on that. Great job on that. Well, thank you so much. You know, it, it was really, it was really surprising uh, to me that, uh, Minneapolis Parks, uh, they reached out to me. So thank you to uh, Ying from uh, Minneapolis Parks. She did a great job coordinating everything. It was a huge turnout. You know, I was quite surprised. Oh, yeah. Um, It was a beautiful night. Yes, it was. Yes, yes. Can you tell the listeners one thing we do not know about you? Oh, boy. One thing they don't know about me. Um, Hmm. Uh, I, you know, I am really, (laughs) this sounds really bad, but I'm actually really enjoying this, um, uh, coronavirus (laughs) because I get to be home. I'm, I'm very much, uh, a recluse. I stay at home. I don't go out very much. I don't appear out in parties or things like that. So, um, I'm really enjoying 
staying home. <laughs> and I was like, no, you'll have even a better excuse. Like, you guys, I'm just trying to keep you guys all healthy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, no. I mean, the, another thing, um, I'm actually uh, very into archery. <laughs> Not like hunting. I don't like hunting. Um, but I'm really into archery, uh, using traditional bows, mm. things like that. I'm a, I'm a bowyer. I make bows. Um, as well so that's one of my hobbies yeah oh so that's one of your other secret talent that we don't know of <laughs> well I'm I'm very new at it I just started making bows and so I've made you know just a handful of bows um, but yeah it's it's very therapeutic for me so um, yeah I guess well that's awesome that is uh, maybe one day you'll do like a sopando one day you know that'd be great too yeah <laughs> I would love to. I would love to learn how. Yeah. 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 It's definitely a. Uh, it's definitely a skill. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. When's the last time you've been to the archer range, Dan? Oh, last uh, fall. You know, okay. right before the snows came. Yeah. I usually head out there every chance I get. You know, if I'm not too busy. Um, I kind of put a range in our basement at home, and so during the winter. I get to shoot downstairs in our basement, which is kind of nice, you know. Um, it's not a huge basement or anything, you know. It's probably like a, uh, it's like a 10, 10 to 15 yard uh, range only. So it's it's pretty short, yeah. Okay, so do you go to outside, outdoor archery or indoors? Oh, I'd rather do outdoors if, okay. if I can, yeah. Okay. I've never been to an outdoor one, but the indoors are pretty fun too. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure outdoors is so much better. Yeah, yeah, I, I enjoy more outdoors. Yeah. Um, oh, well, that's awesome. Um, you know, I'm going to go a little bit far back here. You've been making mm -hmm. movies for 15 years now mm -hmm. and continue on to do so. You first picked up a camcorder. We're talking this old school camcorder. It's probably heavy as a, I don't know, launching grenade, <laughs> you know, that's so heavy, yeah. but... That was back in second and third grade. How did you yeah. know that was the first thing to pick up? It's not guitar. It's not archery. It's not, but that specific equipment. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, you know, um, I actually started off drawing a lot. You know, uh, I drew on every single little piece of paper I could find. Uh, I drew, uh, especially comic book characters like the X-Men huge fan of i'm a huge marvel fan from an early age um huge teenage mutant ninja turtles fan i know everything there is about the ninja turtles wow okay <laughs> quite a nerd about that stuff you know uh so i drew a lot and then my dad just bought a video camera um just to document our family mm -hmm. uh, you know we would just stand in the line and introduce ourselves you know and say our age and grade and stuff like that, just so you can document those sort of things mm -hmm. as we grew up. Um, and then eventually, you know, I started just picking up the camera and just started, you know, asking my brothers and sisters to act in my movies. You know, we're home and during the summers, there's nothing to do. So we would just shoot movies. Um, and I just fell in love with it, you know. Awesome. Um, I was able to take my, my artistic skills and being someone who drew and who read comic books into uh, bringing these stories to life, you know, onto a, onto a TV screen. And so that just kind of stuck with me 
ever since I was a, a, a young kid. Yeah. Well, so how, how old would you say you were at that time? Oh, probably, I don't know. Um, I think second or third grade was when my dad first got the camera. Um, mm -hmm. So whatever age range that yeah. is, I'm not even sure what age that is around, but it's around the second or third grade. Wow. So you must have had um, a really big imagination, you know, to be able yeah. to like draw and then kind of like transition into having your siblings act for you and recording it. That's quite an imagination. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think I come from a very creative family. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my dad, he would, he would never admit it, but he's an artist at heart. He's a musician. He plays the Hmong instruments. He likes to draw. He's an architect. You know, um, and my older sister, she is a professional painter. Um, she does uh, fine arts. Uh, she's also a, a writer. She's publishing a Hmong fantasy novel, you oh. know. And so uh, my brothers, all you know, they're also artists as well. So I come from a very creative family. So it just felt very natural for me to just to pick up a camera and just to work with it, you know. It's always just been a, a part of my life as for as long as I can remember. Yeah. You mentioned your dad. I wanted to bring your dad back up too. Mm -hmm. You were, you mean, you've been doing this industry for 15 years now, but mm -hmm. I know your dad highly, highly disapproved of you getting <laughs> into filming. And he yeah. probably wanted you to be typical, you know, among doctor, among lawyer, you know, and don't mm -hmm. come back home, you know, right? Yeah, yeah. Could you tell me your pretty much your, your, the stab in the heart from your dad. Could you tell me how that feeling is? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it was a stab at first until I learned his lesson, you know. Um, he wanted, of course, he wanted us to be uh, doctors and lawyers, you know. And for me, I was never really a, a studious kid, you know. I never did. I never excelled in school. I have two brothers who are going to be doctors now. A sister-in-law who's going, who's a lawyer, you know, and so, um, so they fulfilled my dad's dream on that end already. But for me, um, you know, my, uh, you know, I went into a junior medical program with my sister in high school, and so we get to follow doctors around and see what they did, you know, and, and learned how to, how it was being a doctor and stuff like that. And I was just bored out of my brain I could not see myself doing that for the rest of my life mm -hmm. I had absolutely zero interest in it you know and so then I just um figured that if uh, if I did something like that I would never be happy I would never be satisfied I would never be fulfilled mm -hmm. and so then you know I just pursued other things and put my filmmaking in the back burner as a hobby you know and whenever my dad asked, or whenever anybody asked what I did as a job, my dad was, oh, he's a teacher. Because I'm a teacher as well. Um, I teach, you know. Um, and Don't so he would the other part. Just mention the teacher. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, yeah, but, you know, um, yeah, so then my dad would just tell me, I'd rather I'm a teacher. And it wasn't, um, let's see, I'm forgetting which film it was that I did. Because uh, even two in now, my maybe, um, it may be two in my. It may be even before two in my. Once upon a time. Uh, 
Yeah, it might have been once upon a time because that was a little bit reflective of, you know, what I was going through in college. But um, yeah, but, you know, my dad would never, he would, even still today, my dad would still be like, oh, give up those foolish dreams. You know, those are just, you're, you're, you're a, a grown ass man now. You know, you have a family. You got to take care of your family. And I'm like, you know, I am taking care of my family. I'm providing. So I want to do this the way I want to do it. Um, and, um, but during that time, uh, I almost gave up filmmaking. You know, mm-hmm. I came so close because my, my parents both were like, okay, it's time to give up this foolishness. You, you've been playing around for too long. It's time to give it up. You know, it's not too late to get a real life, get a real job, things like that. And I was on the verge of giving it up. And my dad is like, and then, when, you know, I had a breakdown in the, one day. And my dad just came to me and he said, you know, uh, if you wanted this to do what you're doing this bad, me saying this to you wouldn't affect you. You wow. know, you still do it despite of this. Mm, that's big. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Say, say, can you remember saying that in Hmong exact word for word? What I don't remember exactly okay. <laughs> what the words were, you yeah, know. Yeah, but I remember that was the essence of what he was trying to say to me. Mm-hmm. And that blew my freaking mind. I was like, holy, my dad was testing me this, this whole time, you know. <laughs> it's like, if I really wanted to do this, I would do this no matter what anyone said, mm-hmm. you know. I would find a way to do it. You know, and yeah, that just blew my mind. And so then after that, like all the pain, the years of pain that of my parents yelling at me to quit this foolishness and stuff, that disappeared. Mm. You know, that disappeared. And yeah, I think that was right before I did two and my. So then I I just launched myself in full steam. You know, I just jumped in and just went you know, all out after that. Did you feel um, like it, it almost felt like you have a little chip on your shoulder in a good way, you know, towards your yeah. dad and towards your dad and mom, like in a good way. Like it's more of like a watch me that I could do this. Just watch me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think, um, I think that I did, I did have a little bit of chip on my shoulder saying, Hey, you know, I'm going to prove it to you that I can, I can do it, you know? Um, but then after a while, you kind of think about it and you're like, you know, it's not worth it to do this, to prove it to them. I, I need to prove this to myself, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I need to prove why I've been doing this uh, all these years. Um, you know, think about it. It's more than, it's been more than 15 years. You know, my first, mm-hmm. my first feature film came out in 1999, you know, oh. Five days, five days, right? Yeah, five days. Yeah, yeah that, that was, that, you were a teenager by then. I mean, yeah, I was wow. 19 years old. Yeah. Five days. Nin- okay. Yeah. Wow. My first theatrical yeah. film. Yeah. Yeah, I saw 99. that like in 99. I mean, you were a teenager and yeah. you were already doing that already. That's so awesome. And I mean, sh- shortly after that, mm-hmm. so that was your first future film after your dad said that to you. Um. No, uh, my after my dad, it after my dad said that to me. I think I made two in my. Okay. Yeah. Because it, yeah. it was like five days. Five once days. Once a time. Yeah. Two in my, then, two in my, yep. and then and then you got into obviously um, fallen cities. 
Mm-hmm. And then Zhao uh, Zhuo. Mm-hmm. And of course, I honestly didn't know you, who you are, or what mm-hmm. you did till 1985. Yeah, yeah. Uh, most people. Gave, I think the movie they really did give you a lot of exposure because I think it was done in such a way where it related so much to everybody. Mm-hmm. But how you crafted it, it was so... <laughs> It was so real, but so funny. And the actors and actresses you had on there, I swear, they were so good. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that's why, you know, it, it related. That's why you just exploded, you know, with that movie. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, but I wanted to actually uh, pull back to where when you said you had a breakdown when before mm-hmm. you back and spoke that to you. I know when a lot of people talk about breakdown, like why did you have a breakdown? Was it because you were trying to, you were struggling between what your passion was and then following what your parents, what you thought your parents wanted? Or was it just, or did you already battle with an inner um, you that was trying to even ask yourself, like, is this really for me? You know, like it had really nothing to do with your parents. You were just wondering, is this really for me? If I'm, is I, am I meant for this? Like what, why, what, what, why did you break down? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, it, it it definitely was my parents' reaction. Mm. Uh, in in my heart, in my mind, I don't know anything else but filmmaking. You mm. know, okay. this is all I know. I mean, this is all I I think about. This is what I've, you know, shaped my life after. You know, um, so I don't know anything else but filmmaking. I may have other jobs and stuff, but it's just to pay the bills. It's not, you know. Um, it's not really a part of who I am. Okay. Uh, how did but, you know it was who you are? How did you know that was, this was like my thing, you know, because mm-hmm. a lot of people have like a lot of hobbies, like, yeah. you know, how did you know it was, this was me? You know, I think that, um, you know, it's your thing when, despite the world falling down around you, falling down on top of you, everybody, uh, you know, tearing you apart, uh, you still do it. You're still comfortable with it, you know. I am most comfortable on the on the set, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm most comfortable on the set when I am uh, shooting my films, when I'm behind the computer editing my films, mm-hmm. um, you know, talking to actors, talking to crew members, you know. It feels so natural. It's like, it's, it's like... Uh, it's just like breathing. I feel like, you know, um, so you were eating, breathing, sleeping mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so it just, you know, it's the most natural thing to me. Okay. You know, it's, it's when I step off the set that I get kind of awkward. You know? okay, okay. Uh, yeah. I Back get, to archery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Back to archery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, you. No, that's really good to know. Mm-hmm. You know, you again. Your your parents were very, very disapproved mm-hmm. all your films until 1985. Mm-hmm. However, what surprised me and more surprised you was your dad came out to yeah. the movie theater to watch that particular mm-hmm. show, and he almost didn't even have a seat because yeah. it was sold out in three theaters. Yeah. Can yeah. you tell me what was your 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 inner expression? At that very point, yeah, you know, I seeing my my parents there, I was overjoyed, you know, uh, 
this was the first film that my dad has ever come to any of my showings. That's correct. And I think it, it shocked him. Mm. You know, it shocked him. He was like, holy crap, all these people, you know, all these people came out. And so, uh, yeah, he was quite surprised. And he was laughing his butt off during the movie, too. I, I snuck over, you know. And I, I looked at him, he was laughing his butt off, you know, and so, and he recognizes the stories that I was telling, because a lot of it I pulled from my own life, you know, um, and so I'm sure he recognized the, some of the stories that I was telling through, through that film, but, you know, it, he did change a little bit after that, you know, nowadays, it's more like, hey, um, uh, you need to make a movie about this. You need to make a movie about this. Yeah, yeah. You need to come and film us. You know, you need to come. Because he's a, he's a very, very highly respected person in okay. the community. He's an elder in the community. Uh, he's a community leader. And mm-hmm. so he's like, yeah, you need to come and film this. You need to come and film that. You know, so now he's pulling me places and, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's changed, you know. It's changed. At one At, at that point, it seemed mm-hmm. like you're it didn't it even it didn't even hit your dad until he realized what you're doing what mm-hmm. your dad does in the community because at one point you said dad i'm just like you i do all this work for the community it's mm-hmm. not for me yeah exactly yeah i think he understood at that point you know he told me to quit playing around quit wasting time i need to go get a real job and do this and that and then you know i said that you know and he finally realized that holy crap my son is just like me i'm out here you know busting my butt off for the community trying to improve it in the way that i know how you know because my dad you know he isn't a educated man but he's a very very smart man Mm -hmm. um and he's out there every day working his butt off for free volunteering you know uh, to better the community. And when he understood that that's what I'm doing as well, but I'm just doing it in the way that I know how, mm-hmm. you know, he laid, he took a step back, you know, which is sort of, uh, uh, it's kind of a, a very rare thing for my dad, the man who knows everything, <laughs> you know. Uh, I think he saw me in a different light at that moment, you know. I'm assuming from then your, your dad must see your other siblings different too then. The way, whatever, pretty much whatever career path they choose, he's just more than supportive than kind of, like, you know, doubting yeah. them. So he kind yeah. of like, because I'm referring this to you now. That's what I'm referring mm-hmm. to versus your mm-hmm. siblings. If they yeah. say you're, if your brother wants to go to, I don't know, martial artist, for example, he's just like all supportive of that. Mm-hmm. Well, I okay. yeah. So, right? yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is that, you know, Hmong parents will be Hmong parents, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I, my brother, he initially was, uh, I have a younger brother. He initially was a uh, corrections officer. You know, mm-hmm. he has his master's degree in law, in uh, uh, political science or law enforcement. Um, he, um, he decided to go and become a, uh, a doctor um, for, for my dad because my dad's always wanted uh, a, a son who's a doctor, you know. <laughs> so I'm sorry, I have to laugh because like it's so typical. Because I know I mentioned that right in the beginning, a doctor and a lawyer. It's like mm-hmm. it's like, can if you're not a doctor, or lawyer, don't go back home, right? <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> yep. And so I have two brothers who are uh, getting to that right now. Mm, yeah. Okay. When you record or make your movies, do you do it with kind of a message in mind? Like, I'm going to put this movie out there because I want to inspire somebody. Or, yeah. Um, I don't know. When I make these films, I usually don't think too much about the message that I'm trying to bring. Okay. You know, I think more about the story. Okay. Um, and for some reason, it's a story that I just have to tell. Oh, you know? okay. So it, it's kind of like your own story. It's your right. story influenced. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I mean, there are certain times in certain films that uh, the community has affected me. So then I wanted to make a film in response to that. Okay. Um, like in the movie Once Upon a Time. Mm. Um, I was seeing that the gang violence was getting out of hand. And, th- and at that time, one of my cousins was just shot. You know, he was just killed uh, due to gang violence. And so I wanted to just to make a film just to express what's going on in the community. Oh. You know, and awesome. the, 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 the funny thing is, is that my films have been brought into the universities, the colleges, and and they're being taught alongside in some of the social studies classes. Oh, know? okay. Um, you know, like once upon a time, uh, they they studied it to talk about gang violence, Hmong family structures, mm. things like that, uh, which, you know, I did not intend that to happen at all. Right. And then a move. Then like two in my was about you know the uh, the Hmong uh, the Hmong uh, refugees coming from Thailand in the you know nineties and early two thousands. Um, and again, they brought that into the schools and universities to study it because mm. there was no content being made about that you know that historical moment you know. Okay. And so even though it was just a romantic comedy, a fictional romantic comedy. <laughs> They were bringing oh. it into the schools and they were um, studying it and they were trying to teach it to their students as well, part of the social studies That has probably got you like jumping up and down like, <laughs> oh my gosh, my work is being recognized as a learning tool. Yeah, yeah. You know, again, you know, I did not expect that. Okay. You know, I did not expect that to happen, but, you know, um, they, they do that. And same with 1985. Mm-hmm. Now they were looking at it, you know, uh, and using it as like a learning tool about uh, Hmong people in the 80s and 90s about yeah. how we, you know, how we interacted with American society, you know. And I'm just like, you guys know that this is a fictional film, right? <laughs> you know, it's it's drawn from real life situations, <laughs> but it is a fictional film, yeah. So I don't think about the message. I, I just think more about the story that's being told. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, for some reason, people, you know, they, they, they interpret uh, the, the stories into whatever message they want, you know. And sometimes it's used as a learning tool, learning experience, and sometimes it's just viewed as mm-hmm. entertainment, yeah. Yeah, so about 1985, mm-hmm. we're going to talk a little bit about that, and then we're going to talk a little bit more about what's coming up next, man. Okay, sure. Uh, you know, 1985, to be honest... And thanks to coronavirus, I am going to sit at home and watch it. I've honestly not <laughs> seen it. 
I have seen uh, your other works, mm-hmm. uh, but you have a you brought up a great idea to have family in and sit down and have a, mm-hmm. a movie night, right? Yeah, yeah. And I will watch that. Can you tell us some more work that that's going to be you're working on? Can you give a sneak peek? Uh sure, sure. Um, I'm working on a web series right now, um, and uh, it was created by uh, a Hmong actor named Gregory Yang. He's a professional Hmong actor um, and budding uh, screenwriter. And it's right now it's called the Green Project. We don't have, we don't know if that's going to be its uh, official title or. Um, uh, we don't know if it's going to be the official title or if it's just the the, the code name for the, the project, but it's about, uh, it's going to be like a dramedy, uh, dramatic comedy uh, about marijuana in the Hmong community, mm-hmm. you know? And so we're shooting this one to go to, you know, streaming media like Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, things like that. So we want to push the quality up uh, another notch to get it into uh, those streaming systems, um, yeah. So, what do you what like, do you hope that our Hmong community gets from your movies? Because I know that when you earlier you said that you're doing it for the Hmong community. What do you hope mm-hmm. that our Hmong community gets from watching your movies? Because you said storytelling. Yeah, storytelling. Um, I don't know. I think more importantly, I want us to acknowledge that we are important. You mm. know that we are significant, that we have uh, a place in this world that, you know, because I think Hmong people, we, by nature, we tend to look down on ourselves, <laughs> you know? Yes. Um, we just tend to look down on ourselves. And uh, if you think about uh, going to the theater to watch movies, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that's it's like, you know, uh, Caucasians and African Americans and a lot of other races and ethnicities, they have always been represented on the big screen, mm. you know. Yeah. Even you know Asian Americans through the Chinese, Koreans, you know Vietnamese, even Cambodian, even have been represented on the big screen. Yeah. But Hmong people, very 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 few films have been on the big screen, you know. And when you see things on the big screen, they become larger than life, you know? Mm-hmm. And so then like heroes become superheroes and, you know, um, you know, everybody, everything is just accentuated 10 times. And so when you show something that is very proud and very meaningful on the, on the big screen, that emotion grows 10 times inside of a person, yes. you know? And so when I do my films, I, I've, since the beginning, I've always pushed my films to be shown on the big screen mm-hmm. um, because I wanted our Hmong audience members to see themselves 10 times as big as they are, you know, 100 times as big as they are, you know, and that changes the psychology, I feel, of, of like how we see ourselves, you know, mm-hmm. especially if it's in the film like, like 1985, uh, that's our story on a big screen, you yeah. know, being told 10 times as big as, you know, bigger than life, you know, and, and so, um, you know, when, when I was walking out of the theater, a young girl came up to me and she was like, uh, you know, this is the first time I saw myself. 
Wow, yeah. that's huge. Yeah. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, you know, like in, in movies and stuff. And it's so funny because she's like, this is what white people must feel like all the time. <laughs> she was just so proud of herself and her heritage. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the things that if you don't see yourself being shown back to you in a positive way, mm-hmm. you know, then what's the other way that you would start to see yourself is in a negative way you know that's so, so true and thank you so much for doing that because i mean even at the nineteen eighty five showing when i was there at the park like mm-hmm. it was such a diverse crowd yeah over absolutely. there and i think for many of them it was the first time ever seeing Hmong people portrayed in that way and really mm-hmm. hearing our story as immigrants here in america yeah. you know mm-hmm. and so Thank you so much for doing that. You know, it's so needed. And like I said, I do agree. I do agree that I think Big Mo, a lot of the time, we still do negate a lot of our talents and our skills and our abilities, mm-hmm. you know, and to Absolutely. hear, to continue hear stories like yours and many of our other guests that we have on already. It's so inspiring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The next artist, for the next actor, for the next film producer, mm-hmm. uh, to, to go outside the box, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be just a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher, you know, just go mm-hmm. outside the box and be committed to what your passion is and anybody can make it. Yep. Yep. Exactly. You know, and, and not just thinking outside the box in terms of what you're doing, but mm-hmm. what you're providing these services for, mm-hmm. you know, yes. like if you are creating things just for the home community, you're, you're already limiting yourself. Yeah. You know? Um, you know, you got to be creating your artwork for everybody, yeah, you know. Thank you for saying it, that. That's so yeah. important. Yeah, because it's like, you know, my films, like uh, I've made these presentations in the colleges and universities, and then the Somali kids would come up to me and be like, that's, I, we relate to that so much. You know, the Vietnamese kids come up, oh, that's our story too, you know. So these are universal stories that's being told through just simply it's just being told through the Hmong lens, you know, yes. but the stories themselves are universal, you know? Very true. Yeah. And I, I think that that brings us together more than if we're just to present this film to Hmong people as just the Hmong. St- you know, you being a film director, is there a film director that's out there that you looked inspired and you may like their work? Um, are you talking about just Hmong film directors or overall, man? Overall. overall, yeah, make oh, out yeah. doesn't matter. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I I grew up watching a lot of John Woo movies, mm. like The Killer, Bullet in the Head. Um, you know, these are action movies, um, and you know, so cinematography wise, I sort of find myself, you know my cinematography style is more of like John Woo's where the camera is moving a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, also, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've latched onto his themes of honor and friendship and, you know, there's a code of respect among people um, that's found throughout a lot of his films. Um, uh, you know, it's like growing up, we watched a lot of the Chinese films and so I love uh, uh, Zhang Yimou films. Um, he's one of my favorite filmmakers. Choi Hark is another one of my favorite filmmakers. Um, and then 
nowadays, you know, I don't, I find myself not watching very many Hollywood movies. Mm-hmm. Um, they're entertaining, uh, but they don't give you the same feeling of, well, they didn't give me the same feeling of when I was younger watching these Chinese films, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And so. Um, what are yeah, you looking but, for? I mean, when you, when you say that it's not, it's not as entertaining, what were you, what were you, what are you looking for? I don't know. I think I'm looking for uh, a story or a voice in the film that just speaks to, speaks to you, speaks to your soul, you know, mm. speaks to a part of you that doesn't sort of dumb you down. What I'm mm. finding with a lot of the Hollywood films these days is that it kind of dumbs you down. It gives you these very flat surface jokes. It doesn't make you think, you know, mm. I think that's the, that's the, part that's missing the most for me is that it doesn't make you think it's telling you everything you know it's putting everything on the surface and so and and they're more for shock value and for the aesthetics of the of the graphics more than the storytelling more than the characters things like that uh very unfortunately um you know the korean film industry is booming and you know I think over the last 10 years or so, uh, 10, 15 years or so, the Korean film industry has given me a lot of hope back in cinema. You know? Oh, yeah. Um, and so, you know, like Parasite has won yes. you know, the I best picture. I was just going to say that. Are you a fan of Parasite? I loved Parasite. That was freaking awesome. You know? I, I did too. Yeah. But then, you know, watching. Good... Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no, I was just saying, I, it was actually really exceeded my expectations when I saw it. I was glued onto the TV. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen a Korean movie or a drama in a long time. Mm-hmm. So I had a yeah. lot of expectations for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but if you follow that filmmaker's uh, work, I, f- I forget his name. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I've seen like Old Boy. Old Boy blew my mind. Oh, I mean, okay. that, that just that changed the way I saw film. And that was very, that was so refreshing. That was so beautiful. It was like watching a movie again for the first time, you know. And so I'm very, I'm very happy that the Korean film industry is being recognized now because they understand that Korean cinema is the future, you know, the future of Hollywood, the future of cinema itself. You mentioned Uh, Parasites. mm -hmm. Have you seen Kingdom? I have, yes. So yes. obviously we're not going to spoil any of the story play, but just right. <laughs> the overall action of it and et cetera. What's your take on that? Oh, it's amazing. It is completely amazing how they, they, they're telling this, this horror story in a period piece, you know, mm. I think it's brilliant. It's, you know, it's my favorite show right now on Netflix. So yeah. I'm a fan of well. I haven't jumped on that bandwagon yet. Maybe one day. I'm guilty. <laughs> over this, we- over yeah. this weekend, since I was quarantined, I just binged it. I totally binged it. I, I yeah. became a zombie myself. I binged it. <laughs> I'm, I'm pacing myself with, with Kingdom. You know, uh, My wife and I were, were sitting down. We're watching one episode a night. So we're pacing ourselves. Very disciplined. Yep. And so we can sit back and have a discussion about the episodes after we watch it. So, uh, oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So, what's your wife's favorite part of Buck Kingdom? 
you know, I think she is amazed at the story, the storytelling mm. portion of it. She hates horror films. Um, Same as I. Yeah, she absolutely hates horror films, but she loves this, this series because of the storytelling, because of the the drama, the characters, the interactions, the complexity of the characters, you know. Um, mm. Yeah, so she's really into it. I all right, King, you are almost persuaded me to jump on that Kingdom Dragon, <laughs> man. You should, you should. You get addicted to it. I don't know. I'll give it some time. Okay. <laughs> I have another one for you, too. Just about a year ago, you round up a group of friends and yeah. you started a, a short film YouTube series it was inspired by The Office. It was called The Mobile yes. Organization. Yes. I did see a few skits on it. It is hilarious. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we can thank uh, Meili Yang and Peter Yang for that, the two, uh, the two head writers. Mm, uh, okay. Meili Yang is an incredible writer. She's a professional playwright. She's been writing theater forever. You know, she's one of the OGs in, uh, in theater, uh, for, especially for our Hmong, uh, our, our Hmong uh, writers. Um, oh. So her and Peter, yeah, they're huge fans of The Office, and they've been writing this tribute series <laughs> called Hmong Organization, which is based on a lot of real things, you know? Uh-huh. And it so we decided. I'm, yeah. I'm uh, saddened that the Indiegogo Kickstarter style mm -hmm. did not go to its expectation to fund right, it. Right, right. So that's why you it know, never came about. But just watching yeah. a few uh, episodes of it was just hilarious. Yeah, yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was brilliant work. You know, it was really fun working with two amazing writers with a. Uh, incredibly incredibly talented cast and crew um, a lot of them are first-time actors mm. you know, i think we have a couple of seasoned actors in there like wa yang yep, who wa plays yang. michael mm -hmm. uh he's been in almost every single one of my films uh since i started making movies i, I love it so his way so his character was also named michael right his, yep. <laughs> oh. yep, yep, his character is also named michael uh, oh okay mm -hmm. Uh, so can we, we watch have... this on YouTube? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's oh, yeah. Okay. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, oh, okay. For those of you listening and haven't seen it, definitely I'll have to go yeah, look at that. I'll, for those who haven't, haven't seen it, I'll link it on you know on the show notes and yeah. the content. So you'll see the uh, Mo organization uh, and the acronym is just hilarious for it too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to say it, but yeah, I'm not going to say it, <laughs> but all right. But yeah, it was yeah. just so funny and hilarious. And what was your take on that? Uh, what did they have you do in there? Uh, I, I was a director. Okay. So I directed uh, those first, uh, uh, that first uh, pilot episode, which we started broken down into four mini episodes. Okay. Um, yeah, we really wanted to continue and it's, we still might continue, you know, uh, perhaps the timing just isn't right, but. You know, we're continuing to uh, look for funding and talking with folks about it. I would love to, you know, uh, do the show, even if we, we don't have money. Uh -huh. uh, maybe, you know, uh, if, uh, the, you know, once the writers complete the uh, next few episodes, you know, we might just go ahead and shoot it. So I would love to. It was one of the funnest uh, sets I've ever been on. Everybody was just having a good time, you know. Uh, a lot of the first-time actors have gone off and done other 
other films, other short films, other shows. Oh, like that's that. wonderful. So, yeah, yeah. I was looking at the donations, and, and there was even a donation up in the four figures that you could be a little bit part play in the show. I'm like, yes, yes, I want to be in the show. I'm willing to donate and be just a little bit of the part of the screen. Yeah, I'll be on, yeah. On, on the screen for a little bit. That'd be so cool. Yeah, yeah. So we well, we never know. You know, some of these shows that they might just fizzle out uh, for now, but they might come back. You know. Um, so we never know what, what will happen in the future. Yeah. Well, one thing I do know is, you know, people that are always looking for uh, well-crafted, funny mm-hmm. films out there. Yeah. You know, I think people crave for that, you know, and um, for me, I love movies, but I do find that even nowadays, it's so hard to find a good, good comedy mm-hmm. to just watch and really enjoy. Yeah, yeah. So, since you guys did so well in 1985, yes. I think that you guys all finished that. We will all love it so much because if it's like The Office, that'd be awesome. I'm a big, big fan of The Office. So, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to that. Thanks. You know, I, I want to plug some other projects that I, I've been working on. You know, I'm work. I've worked with uh, a very, very talented film filmmaker named uh, Chu Zhang. And he's mm. a director, um, he's the founder of Charlie Productions. So he's oh, yeah. uh, come out with two films. Uh, the first one is The Crush. It's, it's a horror comedy. So if you like comedy, this one cracked me up. You I know, did see that, it. yes. Uh, yeah. I laughed so hard at, in the theater. Yep. So, so hard. <laughs> uh, I have a small role in that one too, but. Yeah, Chu, if you, you know, I think he is going to be one of these filmmakers to look out for in the Hmong community. He's up and coming. He's got a lot of great ideas. He's very passionate about filmmaking, very determined, you know, and those mm-hmm. are some of the things that you need to, to be a, a successful filmmaker. You know, for so. sure. For yeah. sure. It's so awesome to see like such, like so many rising film producers and actors and actresses in our community. Yes, yes. It is so nice to see that. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, and I mean, we have Hmong filmmakers in Hollywood, you know? Mm-hmm. That's the amazing thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we got the Vang brothers, Burley and Abel out in Hollywood, and they're doing their thing out there, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's freaking Man. amazing. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Well, you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is uh, pretty much going to end the last question. Mm-hmm. And Kang, yes, can you give our young upcoming or is a director, film director, mm-hmm. a big word of advice from your experience at 15 yeah. years and, and counting? Yeah. Well, you know, I think uh, the first bit of advice is, uh, you know, don't waste time. Go out there and start doing it. You know, a lot of people feel like they're held back. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're always saying, oh, we don't have money. We don't have crew. We don't have camera equipment. We don't have this. We don't have that. You know, part of being a creative person, an artist, a filmmaker, a painter, a musician is not only having the resources, but also being resourceful. You know, mm-hmm. we have to use our creativity in being resourceful, you know, finding ways to find that money if you need it if you can't Mm -hmm. find the money 
you know, how else can you make this film? You know, there's a lot of uh, very, very awesome organizations out there um, that have equipment for you to borrow for free, you know. Mm-hmm. These are industry equipment, you know, very, very high-end cameras, very high-end lighting equipment for you to go and learn how to use this equipment and um, use it for free. Um, like if you're in the Twin Cities, I want to plug an organization that I teach. I'm a, I'm a mentor at. Um, it's called In Progress, and uh, it's in St. Paul. Oh, yeah. Yep. Inprogress.org, and we teach film production, and we also have professional equipment for you to check out to shoot your films. You know, okay. and in, in progress was critical for me in my early stages as a filmmaker. I've been with them since 1999, you know, okay. starting off as a student and then now being a mentor. Um, they helped me shoot, edit, finish my first feature film. And now I'm trying to give back by being a mentor um, to other young up and coming filmmakers through them. But be resourceful, you know, be resourceful. Don't let not having resources be an excuse for you not to make films, you know, or right. artwork that you do. That's so true. Um, and you said it was, um, you said it was www, is it www.inprogress.com? Dot org. Dot org. Dot org. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, make sure you drop that down. So anybody out there that's in the process of becoming a film mm-hmm. maker, producer, definitely check that out. I think that's a great resource. Thanks for dropping that in, King. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, there are a ton of other organizations. Um, also, I used to work at one called Asian Media Access, and they're mm-hmm. in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Um, again, they teach media production as well, you know, and again, they uh, helped me at a young age to push me to become a filmmaker. They have resources, camera equipment, they have sound equipment, they have uh, a studio space there, they have computers to edit. So there's really no excuse for young people not to be making uh, films. You know, there's resources out there, especially if you're here in the Twin Cities. You just have to do some research and go out there and uh, and make your make your movies. Right, because the answer is not going to fall in your lap, right? You have to go out there right, and right. look for it. <laughs> you have to go out there and look for it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, Thank you so so much for your wise word, King. Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks again for, uh, yeah, thanks again for having me on your show. This is wonderful. Uh, You two do great work, you know, and um, yeah, um, thanks again. This is wonderful. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Uh, We look forward to the many, many, many new projects that's coming in your way. Um, And also, you know, new other producers out there like Charlie Productions and many other ones. I know The Stranger is, you know, one of the new projects that oh, came yeah. out recently. So, yeah, you know, we have film. so many new projects out there along with yours that we all look forward to see. Yeah. Um, so thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you for doing it to the, for the community, not just the Hmong community, but for all communities. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. I mean, I mean, one last thing before I go, you know, I do want to give a shout out to all the filmmakers who came before me, too. Oh, you know, yes. I'm, I'm not a first at anything. You know, mm-hmm. um, there were many, many filmmakers that came before, Hmong filmmakers that came before me that I look up oh, to yeah. so much. You know, like, uh, you know, Mo Lee, for an example. He's the Hmong filmmaker that I 
idolized. He was a mentor of mine. And him and uh, and Kao Chang, they are coming out with some amazing, amazing projects in the future. You know, so mm. watch out for them as well. So what movies did they? What movies did they make in the past? Um, they made one. Uh, oh my God, uh, it was a Thai film. Okay. Um, a Hmong Thai film that mm. went in a bunch of Thai theaters. It's probably oh. one of the most beautifully shot professionally shot Hmong produced films out there you know interesting um, okay. so oh my god I, I, the name wow. escapes my mind right now but uh, they did that they did a film called well Kao Chang did a film called uh, Ngonya but oh, um, okay. Mo Lee has been in this industry forever the Hmong industry has been paving the way for forever and ever and ever and uh yeah, I can't thank him enough as as an older brother, as a mentor to me, um, and to a lot of us other young filmmakers that are up and coming as well. So, but he's still at it as well. He's still at it, and he's still coming out with stuff. So we cool. got to go back and support our other filmmakers as well, young and new and old. You know. Cool. Thank you. Well, that's totally awesome. Thanks again. All right. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Um, it's always it's a pleasure to have you on. We well, will yeah. see you around and um, absolutely look forward to your new projects. All right. You have a great night. Yeah. You too as well. Thank you. That ends our episode. If you haven't yet, visit our official website at www.mongmentat.com or like like and share us on Facebook at Mongmentat who also believes in building family values. She believes not only in investing in your future, but also investing in your present moment, creating time and memories with your family. If you have any insurance needs or any questions, please don't hesitate to call her at the link below. Also, a special thanks to DJ Peter for using his beats. You can check him out at YouTube.